Welcome to episode number 80 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I interview Kate Callahan, CEO of Level Up Training and expert on all things mindset and getting yourself unstuck. If you're looking for motivation today, you are going to freaking get it. (laughs) This is such a motivating podcast. It's going to put a lot of things in perspective. It's going to make you question a lot of things in all of the best ways. I love listening to Kate talk and her perspective, and there's a reason why she's so good at what she does, and I'm excited for you guys to get a taste of what that's like and connect with her and hear her message and hopefully transform your life as a result. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode number 80, What's Keeping You Stuck with Kate Callahan. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. And today, Christina and I are here with a very special guest and a really good friend of mine, Kate Callahan, um, otherwise known as I've always called you uh, Kate and Michelle, like your Instagram handle. <laughs> but um, today, uh, you know, Kate's got a really cool background and a cool story, uh, just with perseverance and overcoming obstacles and adversity, um, and becoming the best version of herself. Um, and I'm excited today to just dive into a lot of mindset, uh, one of our favorite things to talk about here on the podcast and kind of, you know, breaking limiting beliefs and figure out, you know, what might be keeping you, the listener stuck in your journey, whether that's in fitness and life, anything. Um, so I'm excited. Welcome Kate. Um, happy to have you. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. So it's nice to connect and, and be able to provide this value for everybody. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, let's kind of, uh, Let's, before we back up, just tell the people who you are, what you do, um, like what your aspirations are and all that. And then we'll kind of rewind to your background and your, and your story, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So who I am and what I do, I am, um, I'm incredibly passionate about helping people actualize their internal potential in real time. And I do that through health and fitness, right? I like to work mostly with entrepreneurs or high-performing individuals that are very, very busy And that's because as someone who's in that niche, it's like we spread ourselves so thin for everybody else, we forget to like take care of ourselves. And it's really cool to see how once you start prioritizing that and taking care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally, um, and spiritually for some people, it increases their ability to not only show up better, lead their teams better, but seeing the numbers and an increase in their business and their revenue is, is really cool to see too. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, my background is my undergrad uh, biology with a concentration in pharmaceuticals. Cause I thought at that time there was like no women's supplements for anything. And I was like, I want to make that. So I was really fascinated uh, with biochemistry and that type of thing. And then I went on to get my master's at the university of South Florida, working with Dr. Bill Campbell and Dr. Buckner in their respective labs. So Dr. Campbell, most people know if they follow you probably, um, but body composition, performance and physique enhancement is his lab. So I was, it was able to be a part of some really cool research and see it. Some of it doesn't get published. Some of it is just things that we get to see anecdotally, uh, but some of it does come out. It just takes a while to get that. So learning a lot about research um, and then Dr. Buckner, the differences between strength and hypertrophy or muscle growth. Uh, so being able to delineate that and the adaptations and how to actively achieve those things. And then one of my other favorites um, was Nick's lab and he focused on sports psychology. And so that's kind of where my background in education is in. And then I competed for a long time, too long probably. Uh, and so coming out of that, I realized that there's a lot of adaptations that happen and you know, focusing on internal health markers is important. So I went through uh, FNMS with Sam Miller and then got my functional medicine certification through that and just kind of have now built my coaching business and stepped into all of those things. 
I love it. I love it. I've always thought of um, Bill Campbell's lab as like the bro lab of the research world because it's just for it's for the bodybuilders, it's for the physique athletes, and the people who really nerd out on like the stuff we talk about here, um, basically. And I've always really looked up to that lab, but that's awesome. And uh, so that's a lot of really awesome credentials, and it's cool to see. I think it'll be cool for the audience to see how you even got to this point, you know, what made you start a business? What made you want to help people in this capacity? So tell us your story. Um, in particular, I'm interested to hear just, you know, your history with sports um, and how you've overcome adversity and all of that. Yeah. So I grew up like super passionate about sports. And I think that's because I grew up in a very, very small town, like Windsor, Vermont. No, no, nobody knows where that is. Most people don't even know where Vermont is. I haven't heard of Windsor, but I know where Vermont is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And my mom was a single mom. She was in her early twenties when she had myself and then my older brother and sister who are 10 months older than me. And so she worked a lot. And then she was also in school. And so after school, like you, I could have gotten into trouble. Like there was a lot of drugs and stuff in my small town. Um, but I went to the rec with my brother after school. And that's when I started picking up sports. And I will say that, you know, basketball, I genuinely believe probably saved my life. I could have gone down worse paths for sure. Um, but that's where I started picking it up. It was just an outlet for me, um, to be able to get good at something. And so, as I grew up, I was just a very good athlete. And it was kind of my identity for a long time is I was just the freshman that started on varsity and like was, you know, always in the position to excel. We won state championships. I mean, I was really good. Um, And by the time my junior year came around, I got recruited to play AAU basketball in Lowell, Massachusetts. And so that was when I knew like, this was my dream. It was something that I had dreamt about since I was a kid. My mom has this a little drawing that I did in my grade school of like me in the NBA. It's like this picture of a basketball and like that whole thing. And so I don't know if you've ever watched Love and Basketball, but that was like my favorite movie growing up. And all I wanted to do was be Monica Wright McCall. And I was like, I'm going to be that girl. Like I loved it. Um, And so I would drive two and a half hours to play pickup, just train and work out with them in Massachusetts every week. Um, and, And I made that sacrifice. But I also, at the time, I was later in the game. If you have, you've ever followed like college sports or recruiting, they typically recruit very young. And so I wasn't even getting looked at by division one institutions because I had come into the game late. I was a junior going into my senior year. Um, And so a lot of the division one schools that I wanted to go to, they were like, you'd have to go to like a Juco or prep school. And we couldn't afford that. Like just honestly, we couldn't do it. We tried. um, But my mom was like, I can't, I can't make that work. And so what happened was my ego got in the way. Um, and by the time I had graduation, I had turned down every division two school and <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make it to division one. Um, and I didn't. And so I was stuck with a division three offer and I did that. I went for, uh, two years and I just got to a point where I was like, I loved my friends and the community there it was super awesome. Um, and I worked, uh, I trained under Gary Fifield, who's like got one of the most winning records in women's basketball ever. And so he was very, very smart um, and he knew the game very, very well. But for me, it was like, I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. Like I am meant for more and I am very intuitive. And when my gut says something, it's like, you've got to do it. Every time I don't fucking trust my gut, I always regret not doing it. So it got to a point where I was like, okay, I did all the research. I was like, I'm going to go work with this MBA skills trainer. They actually hit me up on like Facebook back, you know, when people were like growing, they're like, wow, you're super talented. Like you could be doing more. Like we train in North Carolina. Would you come down for the summer? And so I told my mom, like, I'm moving to North Carolina. And it wasn't really like a, Hey mom, I really want to do this. What do you think? It was me and my ego going, I'm doing this and I don't care if you get it. And like, I could have handled it a lot better, but (laughs) regardless, I knew like I'm called to do this. I don't know why, but I have to do this. Like, this is my dream. Like I'm going to figure it out. And so I did, I packed up my little Honda and I drove down North Carolina. Um, I got a little apartment, but I ended up actually working at Dave and Buster's for like 80 hours a week. And I was really good friends with my manager and they ended up getting like a little 
mattress and I'd sleep on it in the employee room because I'd work as much as possible to make sure I could get by and afford to train. And then when I wasn't working, I was training. So I was training at least twice a day while I was working as many shifts as possible. And so that was like the rat race of my life. Like that was the hustle. Took a whole year off. Um, I worked, I worked with them and I got my ass beat. I mean, you're, I'm talking, I would humble myself and I would go train with high school kids that were better than me. Like I was in the thick of it, like men, women didn't care. Um, and for the longest time, I just got my ass handed to me, but then I got really good and I got acquired all the skill set that I needed. And I was humble enough to keep showing up and going, I'm, I'm learning. I've never done this before. Of course I suck at it. Um, and I, I'm grateful for that opportunity because it, it started with, you know, high school kids beating my ass to me giving buckets to Devonte Graham. If you don't know who Devonte Graham is, he plays in the NBA now. Uh, but it was cool to be able to train with these people and have that perspective of like, you can grow as much as you want to, but you have to be willing to suck first, right? And just humble yourself with a new experience. And so from there, uh, once I once I felt confident enough. Um, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to walk on to a D1 school. And luckily the coaches that I had worked with and the athletes that I had trained with, I had connections with NC State, UNC, Duke, and UNC Greensboro. And so I had communicated with their coaches and a lot of them were super open and very nice, but they had already recruited a lot of the positions that they needed. And so as a walk-on, I'm grateful that they were super upfront, right? UNC, Duke, and NC State were like, you would make the team, but you would probably be a practice player right? For most of them, you're great. You'd really help us, but you wouldn't get much playing time. And I was like, well, fuck that. Like <laughs> doing that. Um, but I appreciated that. And then I went to UNC Greensboro and I'll never forget Wendy Palmer. She's, she's an incredible human. Um, and she was like, look, I like your work ethic. I can tell you're passionate. She's like, but I don't tell anybody that they're going to make it here. And I was like, I don't need you to tell me I'm going to make it. I just need the opportunity. And I'll never forget the first time I walked into the gym and played pickup there. They invited me to summer ball and I was the last person picked, <laughs> no surprise, but I dropped 22, 22 points and I walked out of the gym and I was never last pick again. And in the same season that I walked on, I earned a starting position. Um, and that was it for me. And I will never forget the first name, the first game that I walked out and they announced my name and it made every sacrifice of every moment of that entire journey worth it. So that is my story there. I love that. Um, I think something that's really great that I took from that is uh, learning how to suck at something. <laughs> um, because I think oftentimes most people walk into situations, whether it's a sport or uh, maybe not even a sport, but you know, our health and fitness journey, uh, going to the gym, learning new exercises, learning about our nutrition and all the stuff that we do for a living. And they're so afraid to suck at it and so afraid to make a mistake or to fail. Um, when that's, that's really a part of the process, right? Like you got your, your ass handed to for how long? And then you finally started picking it up. And, you know, a lot of times our health and our fitness journey is no different. Um, so I, I love that. And just for the record, uh, what's the average height on a division one basketball team for women? For a point guard, they're usually at least five, eight, I'd say closer to five, 10. Yeah. yeah. And I am five, three and a half. My roster height, however, we totally forged it. I was five, five. Yeah. I was five, eight on every volleyball roster. Uh, I'm five, six flat, like no, no chance at five, eight. Um, I'm like, so well, I'm that. not playing without shoes. So that's at least an inch or two, especially like basketball shoes. Like they have that nice cushion mm -hmm. platform. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. So it's just, it's cool to see because I, I always wondered about that. I was like, on top of just like skill development, like how much did you have to overcome with your height and like the, the things that just naturally make people good at a sport um, or more have a propensity to be better. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was like, even when I got there, like the whole reason that I, I made the team and took that spot was because I didn't rely on talent or my skill set at that point. I had to rely on not only improving my skill set and my knowledge, but my work ethic. I mean, I would do, we had to have our day scheduled from AM to PM, but outside of that, like I would get to go in and do extra conditioning. I would go in and spend more hours watching game film. Like I would get up and ask for privates. Um, and just make sure that I was doing everything possible within my control to find out all it is that I could be, right? And to know if nothing else, I tried. And I think a lot of people are afraid to find out what they look like if they try because they're afraid of embarrassment or judgment. 
but I can live with not with hearing you just weren't good enough. I can live with that. Knowing if I gave it everything that I had, I just simply wasn't good enough other than spending the rest of my life. Like those people that back in my day, I could have done that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to look back and go, what if I did, what if I committed to that? And I think a lot of people, especially in their health and fitness are afraid to commit. And I do think that there's this kind of belief. It's like you either fear failure, which is valid, or you fear success. And I don't think people talk about that side of it, right? And it's like, a lot of people are like, well, what happens if I commit? What's really on the other side of that? What if I do lose the weight? Will I get it back? And it's like, I don't know, but let's find out. Let's try. Like, what if you really committed to that? What if you really set a boundary and said no? What if you actually took the time to meal prep and you hit your macros for the whole week? Like, what if you did say, hey, I'm only going to have two drinks instead of 17, or I'm only going to have two pieces of pizza instead of the whole fucking pie? Like, what would happen? But people are afraid of what's on the other side of that. So they don't ever commit to doing that or finding out. Yeah. People are comfortable in their patterns um, and comfortable with letting themselves down. And I think, yeah, um, so many good things from that. How would you say you've taken these lessons uh, about fear of failure versus fear of success and everything that you overcame to just work your ass off to what you were able to accomplish at that time in your life? How did you take that? into your journey now helping others do the same thing for themselves? So one of my biggest things about why I do what I do is because I wish I had somebody to tell me the shit that I've learned going through it, right? It's like, I still haven't found a coach for me that really genuinely gives a fuck and can actually look out for me versus looking out for what they want from me, which is obviously business revenue and all those things, right? But when it comes to understanding that I have the ability to at least prevent somebody from going through some of the shit that I did, right? And looking out for them and going, hey, like your mindset matters here. Like we're, you can't change until you change. And I say that all the time because it's true. Like you have to come to a decision of either we are going to work together to actualize what it is that you say you want and what you know you're capable of, but you're afraid to do. Because in order for us to do that, you have to let go of the person that you've been until this point. And that's hard right? And it's hard to get that through people is like, in order for you to create room to grow, you have to also let go of parts of you that are holding you back. You have to let that die. And for a lot of people that live with identity and labels, it's very hard for them to move past that. And so for me, it's like, I had a lot of limiting beliefs around moving from athlete to coach and now coach to CEO. It's like, these are all things that I've worn. It was very hard when I tore my knee and I was like, what am I without basketball? Like I had been that girl like that's how my following blew up I was this little white girl from Vermont that had handles and was super fast like out there like what this little thing right that's that's really where it started and then I was like okay well that's done so without that what am I and then I was like okay you're not a basketball player you're an athlete and then you went athlete to bodybuilder and coach and then I was like okay well I kind of left bodybuilding and now I'm coaching but I'm not just a coach anymore I'm a CEO and it's like I think I removed a lot of the pressure of having to fit a mold. It's like when you label yourself, a lot of people identify with that thing and everything that that thing embodies. And it's like, okay, well, I don't fit that. And I don't fit here. And I don't fit that either. So it's like, have you seen aristocrats? Yeah, a very long time ago. <laughs> so there's like a little segment and I don't know why this, this hit me, but it was like, I was <laughs> when the O'Malley cats, like a cat's the only cat who knows where it's at. <laughs> so for me, it's like, instead of trying to be this or that and label and fit into this box, but I have to confine these parts of myself, especially like when it comes to being an athlete and being a nerd, like I was so smart. Imagine being smart enough to make sure that you don't ace an exam. Like, cause it, I was afraid to be judged for being a nerd, but also being an athlete. And I was like, I had to limit parts of myself in order to develop other parts of myself. And I was like, okay, well, I don't actually want to do that. So instead of trying to be this label and all that it encompasses, what if a Kate is just a Kate, like an O'Malley cat is like an O'Malley cat. And when I gave myself permission to just fully exist as I am and do the things that I'm passionate about and speak on the things that I'm passionate about and understand that, like, I love to learn. I, I love to impact people. I love to speak. I love to do all of those things. And it's like, I don't have to just be a coach that sits behind and does one-on-one check-ins. If I want to get on a stage and use my voice to speak to people and hope that it fucking clicks and watch their eyes light up because I love that shit. It's like, why can't I do that? 
I get to design the map how I want to. And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, this person did it this way and then this way and then this way. And therefore I have to do that too. Or if I fit into this box as this, well, then I can't stretch out here and grow in this direction. And I think a lot of that is just beliefs that you have. And so there's a quote, and I know that Alex has said this before, Alex Hormozy, but it's like, you challenge all of your beliefs, except for those you truly believe and those you never think to question. And so when I started really challenging the things that I believed and why I believed them, I was able to step on the other side of that and find truth. And I think that a lot of people just accept what spe people speak over them or what they are speaking to themselves because of something somebody said or something somebody told them as truth, when in actuality, that's not real. And when you can challenge the way that you see the world and the reality around you, you can then make an active choice to see the world differently and not only see the world, but see yourself. And I think a lot of people just don't know who the fuck they are because they are used to people telling them. And if you don't tell people who you are and what you will do or what you won't do, they will tell you. They will expect things. They will leverage you. They will tell you to fit into these boxes until you go against the grain and challenge that and step outside of it. And a lot of that is very freeing for a lot of people. So I know that was kind of a ramble, but I hope that answers your question. That's heavy. <laughs> I love it. Um, Christina, welcome back. <laughs> Hello. Yes. Sorry. I was nursing for the first half of this. Um, but I mean, yeah, that was, that was a lot to take in very powerful, but I'm super curious, like, how did you develop this type of mindset, like of challenging your limiting beliefs and not letting, you know, other people and what they say be become your reality? You're like, no, no, this is not it. So this is something, and I don't want people to take this out of context, out of context, because I do not mean this in any type of derogatory or degrading manner. But the truth of the matter is you cannot be a slave to two masters. So you can either live to what you want in your ambitions and for yourself, or you can live to what other people want you to be. But either way, you have a choice in, in that and in how you spend your time. And we are all human. So we are all very prone to looking at Instagram and wanting to be validated and seeing the likes and like getting compliments and like, oh, you did that, that's fucking awesome. Or, hey, I really love that you do this for me. Or it's like, hey, that's not cool, don't do that, right? And so we like retract and we start to lose ourselves. But I also try to reflect on like, what do people do when they're kids? Do kids really care if people laugh at them or make fun of them or anything like that? Like kids are free. And it's before they get into systems where they're told to be cool, to be the popular kid, you gotta act this way and do that. So I think a lot of it is actually unlearning the shit that you're taught societally when you're in different types of systems. And for me, I just had to have that honest conversation with myself of like, one, who are you? Outside of what you do, who are you? Who do you want to be? And are you limiting parts of yourself for the world to see because you're afraid they won't be viewed as adequate? And for me, it was like, and are you okay with like killing those parts of you off? Like, are you okay with that? Because it's a choice. And so when I sat down and really reflected on that, I was like, I'm in so misalignment with myself that I am not even showing up as my best. And knowing that I was like, I, I personally am okay with being disliked over disingenuous with myself. And so when it came to the crossroads, I just had to choose. And I know that it's scary because again, we, especially people that you love. And I, I told this uh, to people on Instagram today, I was like, if you want to know one of the exercises I did that really helped me find clarity, not only with how I see me, but how other people see me so that you can challenge it. Because I think a lot of people find difficulty in, in understanding how they are perceived. Even if you think you know you, most people don't, right? They think they have an idea of themselves in the way that they want to be seen in the way that they think they're being seen. And so it's like, oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm that. I'm like, but are you? So like when I, when I have conversations with clients about growth versus fixed mindset, if you ask people, they'll tell you they're growth oriented. If you look at their decisions, however, they're actually not in reality. And so one thing I did um, early on in this is I, there's, there's three people that I will say know me and actually know me. And I think it's really important that if you do this, you find people that actually know you. And I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly, but people that care about you enough to give you constructive feedback, right? Even if it hurts your feelings. And so what I did was I said, hey, I just want to ask you to do me a favor when you can. They're like, of course, like they're my people. So they're like, of course. I said, I want you to describe me in three words. 
just three words. And then I want you to tell me why. And it was very eye-opening for me um, to see what they would say. And a lot of them actually had very similar trends. And I think that's important to be able to get that feedback because then it's like, are you actually showing up the way that you think that you are? Are you being perceived the way that you're trying to come across or maybe that you wanna come across? And then you can decide, well, I like those character traits. So that's great, I wanna to continue to build on those. Like, hey, I can kind of see where this might happen. But if you are like ego driven and you're like, oh, they're wrong. Well, again, you selected three people that know you better than anybody. So are they wrong or are you? And I think a lot of people just struggle to have those hard conversations with themselves when it comes to growing and developing. Like you cannot grow if you aren't willing to take that type of feedback. And you certainly aren't gonna grow if you can't deal with people not liking you for your growth. If you can't choose to step into something that you care about, that's passionate for you or that you love, that other people might think is stupid and they might judge you for saying or doing or acting in those ways, then those probably aren't your fucking people. And that's something that I struggled with for a long time. And again, that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff. Is I didn't have someone to talk to me like this. I didn't have someone to pull my head above the water and go, dude, you can breathe. Come over here, right? Don't try to fit in, find where you belong. Those are two very different concepts of my life, but they've been incredibly different experiences as well. Even though they're, they're confused for a lot of people. It's like, I belong here. Well, do you, or are you just trying to fit in? And I know a lot of people that live in conflict. It's like, when you go out, you're this person, but when you're alone, you're very different. It's like, you don't have to live two different lives to find people that will care about you. Uh, but you won't ever find out the people that genuinely do care about you. If you are afraid to just exist actually as you are. So that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Oh man. Um, there, a lot came up for me during all of that. Um, and I think one thing that's a really great takeaway and hopefully summary of, uh, some of that is just like people are scared to be different. They're scared to not fit into a box um, because we've been taught all this time to fit into the box that you know makes sense for you or whatever it is. That's why we like categories. That's why we like horoscopes. That's why we like the Enneagram test, right? We want to fit into boxes and categories and label ourselves so that we have this sense of identity. But I think really what you're challenging people to do is analyze their behavior and their actions before their words or how they would describe themselves. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. And I think, again, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious or wanting to embody something that somebody else does or a character trait that might not be a, a big one for you, but something that you have a little bit of, but you can't know how to grow that thing. If you have this ego that's telling you, well, I'm already this. I'm already super charismatic. I'm already a great speaker. I'm already a visionary. I'm already a growth oriented person. And it's like, well, I need you to grow here. And you're like, fuck you. Like, are you growth oriented or are you just afraid to look stupid? And actually that's a very strong indicator of being fixed in your mindset is you gravitate towards things you're already good at because you're afraid to look foolish, right? You see learning as failure instead of an opportunity to grow. Yeah. Um, I would like to get some um, kind of tactical examples with this um, when we're talking health and fitness to really bring the listener into maybe what their what this might mean in terms of the context of their habits and their lifestyle and making those changes, right? Eating more whole foods, lifting weights, um, and just bettering their overall habits. So something that I thought of when you were talking about, I'm going to rewind a little bit, I tend to jump around, um, <laughs> is kind of letting go of your old self or letting that person die. Um, and that's really powerful. And that's something that I know we talk about with our clients a lot is like, you have to act as if you're the person that you're trying to become. And that means letting go of the identity that you held before. So um, a lot of people label themselves as stress eaters, or they label themselves as just a something, I don't know, just a mom, just a, you know, I'm just overweight. Like that's just, that's just how it is or whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's their, that's their identity. And, and what is that doing? Whether you're speaking that over to yourself or somebody is actually trying to box you in, that's keeping you stuck. That's literally the thing that is making, holding you back from acting differently from the way that you're identifying. Right. Because if you say those things to yourself, how do you think you're going to behave? Right. If I'm just an overweight person or I'm just a stress eater, 
how do you think that's going to reflect the next time you're stressed? <laughs> how do you think that's going to reflect the next time you're in a situation that might perpetuate that versus, and this is where I think we have to have compassion with ourselves and how we start to change this narrative. Like it's not going to change overnight. It's not going to be a black and white, like one day I fully believe that I'm this. And the next day I fully believe that I'm that we have to like, understand that we're going to kind of work our way through this. So instead of, I am a stress eater, it can be, I used to be a stress eater. I'm letting go of that person and I'm working on better coping mechanisms for stressful situations. That might not mean that I'm perfect, but that means that I'm improving, right? And so everything that you said is super motivational and there's some tactical tips in there too, but I think how would you bridge that gap between this person is limiting themselves and they've turned the corner and they're enlightened, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so, well, first is like, do you realize that the way that you speak over yourself is exactly what's causing you to continue to stay here? Because you actually believe that about yourself. And then I would challenge why? Where does that come from? Who spoke that over you? Or what happened for you to believe that? Because right? we, can't, we can't break the belief if we don't figure out where it came from. And so that's the first thing is challenging it. Like, where, where the, who the fuck told you that? And so like, should you believe them? And then the other side of that coin is like, well, the, it, the only way to figure out if that's actually true is to go through it. The only way out is through. And so it's like, if you believe you're only a stress eater, right? Let's say you do that. Well, first I'd say, stop saying that and stop believing it. Like, just stop. You have an active choice to stop speaking that over yourself. So stop it, right? And like you said, I was, okay, cool. Now we're talking about your history. So if we're going forward and you're stressed out and you, you don't, you are no longer a stress eater, right? Then you have to realize that in any given moment, you have power over a lot of shit, but a lot of people give their power away. It's, it's my husband's fault. It's my friend's fault. They, my grandma brought over cookies and I had to do it. It's like, did you, or did you just give your power away to somebody else? Cause it's easier to play the victim and take accountability and ownership over the shit that you do, right? That's hard for people. And so when it comes to turning the corner, some things that really help me and have helped me and that I recommend my clients do, especially if they tend to cope uh, with self-sabotaging behaviors, whatever they might be, sticky notes. I know that sounds crazy, um, but sticky notes are constant reminders, especially if you can put them in places where you're visual, visually seeing them every single day, whether it's you can do better than this, you deserve better than this, you are not that person right? Whatever it might be that that individual is struggling with, especially if it's like something in the pantry, like having a sticky note, that's like, stop it, or you deserve better, or you are no longer this person. Right. And it's like that little reminder could cue you to be like, I don't do that anymore. Instead, grab your water bottle and you take a lap. Right. But I think a lot of people are afraid to be like, well, what happens if I don't do that? Well, the only way you're going to find out what happens if you don't do it is to not do it. Worst case scenario, you don't love it, worst case, maybe, right? And then you can decide, okay, well, I like myself better when I'm doing that thing. And then you can decide to do that, right? But it's all a decision. And I think a lot of people, especially perfectionists, um, tend to be very all or nothing in thinking. And so if they go over or under, or it's just not a perfect day, and we can talk about the idea of perfection if you want to, like, that's just a concept, Um but then they engage severely in self-sabotaging behaviors and then in compensation. I see this all the time with people that were in bodybuilding that come out of bodybuilding and they do this cycle over and over again because in bodybuilding, it's very uh, binary in thinking. It's like, you're all in or you're out. You're either doing it or you're not. You're, this is good and this is bad. And it's like, okay, but that's not how the human experience actually happens. It's on a continuum. And so when you talk about turning the corner, it's like, Again, like I said earlier, instead of having the entire six pack of Bud Light, did you just have two? Well, that's progress, right? So we're starting to get better. We're starting to acknowledge that. And I think you also have to give yourself kudos when you make a better decision because it's not going to flip a switch overnight. It's about where you are in that continuum. Are you moving closer to the person that you want to become and the habits that they have? And are you letting go of the old habits that you had along the way? Because again, if you're somebody who is a stress eater, you will be stressed. And especially if it's something that you've had a habit of doing for a very long time, right? That habit loop is deeply, 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 deeply ingrained. That's why people that are like, oh, I've overcome this. And then a month later, they had an issue or a hiccup or whatever it might be, another event. And it's not about being perfect. It's about, did I improve where you were doing it 
every night I had a call with a girl today who literally was ordering Uber Eats on crumble cookies every night. Right. And she just couldn't stop. And she knew that she needed to do something different, but she could not get the strength to say no, because she's afraid of what happens if she does. And I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just putting your phone down, going for a walk. And instead of eating all of the cookies, you have two cookies one day or you do it less frequently or whatever it might be. And, and I'm not you know, saying that either any of those things are okay. And I'm not saying I'm a mental health counselor by any means, but it's for me, if you really want to turn the corner, you're going to engage in self-sabotaging behavior if you expect perfection on the first try, because that's not how it's going to work, right? If I went to train with an MBA skills trainer and I thought after one training session, I was going to then go to the WNBA, I would be incredibly disappointed. And so it's like, you have to be able to set realistic expectations on the other side and understand that you don't know what you don't know, but you will never learn if you don't try to find out and acquire the knowledge the skill set, the discipline, the fortitude, whatever it might be, that is going to serve your future self. Yeah. And I think when it, when it comes to health and fitness too, you'll have clients come to you and they'll be like, oh, you know, I tried all these programs in the past and they didn't work. And I think that sometimes they think like, oh, if I hire a coach or if I pay for a program, something magical is going to happen. And so it's the idea of actually trying to change or do something different. And I think that that is really, really difficult sometimes for people because it's like, well, where they are right now, it's like, maybe they're not happy, but it's, they know what that's like. And so sometimes people are really afraid of the unknown and well, what might happen if I make this change? So I think that's, that's really important to point out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I said is like, there's a fear of the obstacle because you have no idea what's on the other side of that, but you already know what's on the side of the obstacle that you're in. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can either stay here in my comfort zone and be very unhappy and dissatisfied and unhealthy. I know what I'm getting right here. At least I know it's like, for example, I, I was in a very abusive relationship for a long time. And people always say, well, why didn't you leave? And people say this to people that have been in those situations often. I know what I'm going to get. And at least I'm not alone. Right. It's like, I know what triggers this human. I know how I can try to avoid it. At the end of the day, I know what's going to come. And, and it's, it's, it's fucked up, but it's a thing. And it's like, same, same type of concept there. It's like, well, I know what I'm getting when I'm acting this way or when I'm not doing any activity. And I know what I'm getting when I'm doing this. And I know how I feel when I'm this, and I know this and that it's like, you, you know, a lot of shit here. Great. But don't say you want to change if you don't really want to change. And if you do really want to change, you need to understand that there's going to be a very high level of resistance in order for you to actually change, to actualize that in real time, right? Because the big thing that I urge people to consider is like, either way, you need to make a decision, but you can invest in the preventative measures in your health, right? Which people will say is selfish all the time, but it's actually one of the most selfless things that you can do if you have people on this earth that you care about want to take care of. Right. So investing in yourself early or paying for it later, but the way that you will pay for it later is not at your merit. It's not the way that you want to do it. It's you paying hospital bills and getting on big pharma's medication or not being here longer to be with your children, your grandchildren, whatever that might be. Right. And so either side of the coin, there's a consequence to that decision and you can do the shit that you don't love to do now. Right. But it will keep you here longer. It will keep you healthier, more energetic and able to serve people that you actually care about versus I'm comfortable here. I know what I'm going to get, but I can promise you it's just going to escalate and get worse. And then all of a sudden it's, it's then that we want to believe in God. And it's then that we want to start making changes. It's only when you get diagnosed with some shit. And I'm like, that's too late. Stop waiting until you're diagnosed with something. Stop waiting until your life is on the line or stop waiting for somebody else's life to be on the line, to make a decision to change your life or theirs for the better. And so it's like, you always have power. Always. Change is not easy. Change is never easy. Growing a business, not easy. Being in legacy with fucking killers like Marissa, not easy. Right. I'm like, okay, I feel imposter syndrome massively. Right. It's like people going to the gym for the first time. They get super intimidated. I'm like, I totally get that. I walk into rooms all the time now with people that are significantly further along in their businesses than I am. I'm scared shitless, but I still show up, but I still open my mouth but I still do my best with what I know. And I think a lot of people have to give themselves permission to be naive and ignorant with things. You have to give yourself permission to learn. Again, if you look at learning as you saying, hey, I don't know, if you look at that as a weakness or a failure, 
then you need to change your perspective because you have the ability to become anything that you want to be. And I genuinely believe this, but not without the work ethic. You can't manifestation without action is insanity to me. People talk about manifestation all the time and I believe in it. It's one of my core, it's one of my uh, company phrases to manifest it, but manifestation without work ethic and understanding that there are consequences to whatever you decide to commit to, right? That's where people get stuck. And I'm like, you have to choose. I don't care what you choose. It's not my life. It doesn't impact me. I just want to help you come to a decision here. So either we're, we're stepping into this and we're overcoming the obstacle and we're going to work through it together or we're not and you're cool there. But I just don't want to hear you say you want this when, when your actions show me you want that. And either way, like I said, I don't judge you. I'm just here to help. I think the scary part about really being ready to make a change, whether that's losing the weight or changing your habits or getting out of a, that relationship or whatever it is, like whatever you're comfortable in. I think the scary thing about the change is, and I've heard a few people say this. I think I've heard you say it. I think I've heard a couple other people say it as well, but assuming the responsibility of the fact that literally the only reason that you're where you're at right now is your fault or it's because of you. Right. And that can go one of two ways, right? That can, that can, you can choose to let that lead you into guilt and shame and self-sabotage for letting yourself get to a certain point. Or you can flip that and say, this is actually really empowering because I made all these decisions to leave me here. That sucks. <laughs> that really sucks that I'm here and I made all these decisions, but I have the power to change those things one decision at a time. I think oftentimes taking personal responsibility can be taken down that darker road, um, but with compassion and with, you know, the proper support and like an uplifting attitude towards it, I think you can change your perspective to take responsibility over the things that you can change to get unstuck and do the things you want to do, but, um, but not, you know, you don't want to be beating yourself down, trying to make yourself change. That's never going to work. You have to accept the, the responsibility that like you can control things and that's a good thing not I'm a shithead and I need to fix this or look in the mirror hey fat ass you need to go run right like that doesn't make people do things and that perpetuates the opposite cycle yeah and I would say this about that because I, I think that you're right I also think that a lot of people are maybe not the most educated or aware and I'm sure you see this all the time like people don't even know what healthy nutrition looks like and like how could they right look at society and so I think for me also, we tend to live in the past. And this was something that I had to really work through myself was like forgiving myself. It's like what I know now and who I am now and how much I've grown into the person I am today is significantly different than the person that I was even a year ago. And so it's like, you have to give yourself permission to also understand at that point in your life, you were likely doing the best that you could knowing what you knew. And so if you can do that and accept that literally no matter how much you hate it, want to destroy it, feel embarrassed by it, whatever it might be, you cannot change that. It's done. Like time is passed and you cannot go back into it and change it. So you worrying about it or beating yourself up or over what you did yesterday does nothing for the opportunity that you have today. Every single day I wake up and I'm like, what story do I want to write today? Who do I want to become? What am I going to do to move me closer to that? Because yesterday I did everything that I could to be who I am today. And today I want to move the needle forward to who I can become tomorrow. And so it's like, you only have this moment here, but a lot of people struggle to just understand that concept because we are constantly in our head about yesterday or tomorrow and never actually present with understanding that all of your power is in today. All of your power is in the next decision. Maybe you went, maybe you're a nurse and you work at the hospital and they brought donuts in and you had two for breakfast and you're like, oh, fuck, no, I had a terrible moment. I've ruined the whole day, but you haven't. And you can't go back and uneat it. And I really would not encourage you to try, right? It's like, it's like, you just have to accept that you made that decision, but you can make a better decision in the next moment. What are you going to do with the power that you have now to continue to move forward closer to the person that you want to become? Because it's, again, this idea of perfection is not real and you don't fuck it all up at once, right? Everybody's, if you want to think of making a mistake as fucking shit up or failing, then we all fail every single fucking day. I fail every day of my life trying to learn something new. And then once I learn it, my rule of thumb is once you know better, you do better and you never make the same mistake twice. And I live my life like that. So it's like, you can't beat yourself up for things that you don't know yet. But once you know, I do expect you to do better because now you know. And so it's a choice at that point. If you wanna make a bad decision that doesn't serve you, you are actively choosing to do that because you know better. 
but until you know better, you can expect that you will just ace everything. It's like learning addition and subtraction and then walking into trigonometry and thinking you're going to ace an exam. That's silly. And so it's like, you can't be that hard on yourself for not knowing what you didn't know. But when you do know, you better be hard on yourself enough to have standards and expectations of integrity for yourself because you can't get pissed at other people when they don't follow through on their word to you when you don't keep promises you make to yourself. I just want to wrap all this energy up and like take it with me for the next <laughs> few weeks because like I just love like Kate uh, if people if you don't know Kate then you don't know that her one of her aspirations I'm going to spoil this for people is to is to speak publicly and like be a motivational speaker and and do what she's doing right here and for the masses and like you're, you're meant to do this like this this is great energy it's super motivating um but motivation is great right but we also know that motivation is fleeting and we can't depend on it and all of that so I do want to leave the audience with something, um, you know, you've listed a couple tactical things, the sticky notes, uh, the three people that know you the best. I think those are great exercises that people can do, but what other things can we hold our audience accountable to doing from the motivation that they've gotten from this episode? Um, and how can we encourage our audience to actually take action after turn, turning this off and being super fired up because they will be? Um, what, yeah, what can we hold our audience accountable to doing? Absolutely. So. I actually got this question the other day and I'll be super transparent. Like on some level, you have to make a decision. And then once you make that decision, you need to actually make that decision every day. And that's not easy, right? People have this idea that motivation is fleeting and I'm always motivated or that you guys might always be motivated. That's false. And there's nothing wrong with you if you're not motivated. Like that's not a real thing. It's not a real idea. It's like people wake up, all these fitness influencers are like fucking motivated to train and do their cardio every day and weigh their food and hit their nutrition. Like, fuck no, that's not real. And I don't want people to believe that because that's not the truth. The truth is I am not fucking motivated to go do cardio every day. I'm not fucking motivated to do my training sessions sometimes. I'm not motivated to do all the things that I need to do to move my business forward. I'm not always motivated to do that shit. But I ask myself, who do I want to become and what are my core values? And I think that when you have values and you know what you stand for, then you have an obligation to live your life through that. And if nothing else, again, you need to be able to have those honest conversations of who you actually are and what you actually want. And as long as you can do that, then you should be in alignment with the steps that you need to take to make that shit happen. But it's not easy and you're not going to be motivated. Like I wake up every day and I go, okay, am I following through with my core values? Like, so I thought about doing 75 hard and I've, I've researched that a lot. And I'm like, everybody thinks this is a diet, but I wanted clarity on it because I'm like, no way this is a real diet. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a psychological principle of like, can you do hard shit every day and actively choose to do that shit? Right? It's about practicing mental fortitude and discipline, which a lot of people lack because it's so easy, especially right now in society to blame other people or things or situations or your circumstances or whatever labels that you have or whatever the fuck. So I don't know that it's like a tactical thing, but it's like one, evaluate yourself to decide who it is that you want to be and actually have a real conversation about whether you truly want that shit. And if you do, then you need to take actions that are uncomfortable because once you do, you will see progress. And once you see progress, progress in itself is inherently motivating, but you don't start motivated. You might watch an inspirational video or listen to me today, but it means absolutely nothing if you don't actively make a decision to do anything about it. I love that you brought up 75 hard because I feel like so many people talk about it and it's so like, it, it's all over social media and, you know, Marissa and I'm sure we all have, all three of us have the same perspective on it where it's like, it's not a diet, right? Like you're not supposed to do it to lose weight or anything. It's not sustainable. And that's kind of how we feel about contest prep as well, right? Like you can't adhere that level of leanness or that level of like exercise and activity, but it's what you get out of doing the hard things and making those conscious decisions every single day to get up and do your cardio, to get up and do your outside workout. And there's no one else to blame, but you, if it doesn't go well. Um, and we always talk about, it's like, if we could just have everyone do a contest prep, not like for the extreme level of leanness, but like what you get out of it, like the, the mental toughness and knowing like I can do hard things if I choose to. And so I, I love that aspect of 75 hard. Um, and I, I think it's something, it's kind of like you're saying, it's like every day you wake up and you have to make a conscious decision about like the hard things that you need to do that day. 
Yeah. And like, I literally, like I said, I, I know that like sticky notes seem very abstract. I have walls of sticky notes. I have a fridge. I have a whiteboard. I've got sticky notes plastered over there on my creation station of my desk over there. And then I have some over here on my desk. And it's like, it's not just one sticky note. It's sticky notes for different arenas of my life because I have reminders of you live by these rules, Kate. Did you do that today? If you did, you got better. If you didn't, then you need to fucking accept the consequences of you aren't growing as fast as you want to grow because you didn't do the things that are required for you to do that. And again, it comes down to integrity. It's like, I said, I wanted these things. I had that conversation. I know what I need to let go of and I need, I know what I need to start doing, but if I don't fucking do it, it's not going to happen. And I think a lot of people think, well, if I just talk to somebody about it. If I just tell them I want to lose weight, if I just talk about my, my metabolism and the fact that I'm 40, if I talk about all these things that I'm a mom and I have all these other things going around, it's an excuse. All of it's an excuse. I know women in their fifties that are in better shape than women in their twenties, right? I know moms that are also business owners and fucking crushing it at life and their health. It's like, it is possible. So stop telling yourself it's not possible because the more that you say, I can't do that, you're fucking right. Whether you think that you can or you can't, you are right. But I'm not going to believe you that you can do these things or that you want to do these things when you don't believe you can do them. Like, why would I? Why would anybody else? And so it's like, I love the idea of contest prep. I think that for me, basketball did that for me. But again, like, I, have, I can't honestly tell you where it came from for me to go. I could be a big fish in a small pond and stay here, but I'm willing to literally risk everything, move by myself and train for fucking as, as long as possible, as long as it takes and sleep and fucking damn busters, right? To make my dream come true. But I think that when you have that level of passion and conviction, it's like, I have no idea why I need to do this, but I want to find out. And so if you are someone that is struggling with your health, you don't know whether or not to commit or invest in that. Like first I'll say, like if you invest in something and it's all that you have, you will show up for that fucking thing. I had nothing. I had my little fucking broken ass stick shift Honda Civic 1997, that thing all the way down from Vermont, right? But it's like, I showed up for that every day because I knew I had nothing else. I had nothing. It's like, I risked it all. And I think that when you put the chips all in on something, you are you will find out what you're made of. You will absolutely find it out. And so I think for some people, maybe that's contest prep. Maybe it's just practicing discipline around something, but it's like, until you put yourself in a very extreme situation that is incredibly scary, you will find out how resilient you are. And I think you have to give yourself the opportunity to explore that. And I would encourage everybody to, whatever that means for you in whatever arena of your life, maybe baby steps are easier for me as far as like, just the way that I'm built, I'm pretty all or nothing. And I realize that's a gift and a curse at the same time. So I'm not saying it's a great thing, um, but if you're going to bet on anybody, bet on your fucking self. And I'll say this one last thing, because I think it's important. When people talk about investing, I hear people talk about this shit all the time, right? It's like, especially with inflation and all the things going on. It's like, what do I, what do I invest in this? What's appreciating, right? What's an appreciating <laughs> asset? Um, the most important asset that you have is yourself, period. It is the greatest appreciation of anything else that you can invest in in your fucking life. Doesn't matter how many properties you own, doesn't matter how many stocks you own, I don't care, right? If you are not a person of value, you will depreciate over time. If you don't take care of yourself, you will depreciate over time, but you will never realize the return on the investment that you can get if you simply invest in yourself to the maximum. So if, if I could leave anybody with anything on that, it's like, whatever it is that you wanna learn, do, achieve, invest in finding out if you can do that. And I guarantee you're going to be able to provide other people value for that, through that experience. And on the other side of that is perspective that you don't have and growth that you need for sure. Yeah. And I will say, you know, when we talk about investment, I think everybody's mind jumps to money. Um, and obviously that's part of it. Mentorship, growth, coaching, right. But your time, your energy, your headspace, like that's also what you're investing when you dive headfirst into something. So, you know, this is, it's multifaceted. And I think a lot of times people will put their wallet somewhere, but they won't put their time there. They won't put their energy there. They won't put their headspace there. And then they wonder why stuff's not happening for them. And that's the reason why an investment is a, is a full, you know, commitment, full commitment of yourself to something 
whatever it is, your weight loss, your job, your business, your family, whatever it is, uh, a full investment, not just, you know, you can't just put your money where your mouth is in that sense. Yes. And I am trying not to rant because I can go on one about balance because that is not real. If you want to be great at anything, balance does not exist. It is a continuum of choice where you want to prioritize your time and attention. Um, but you cannot be the jack of all trades because you will be a master of none. And I genuinely believe that and I've lived it in my life. So I'll leave that idea. <laughs> yeah. Christina, do you have anything to add? Um, so I guess, I mean, I, I love everything that you said and I a hundred percent agree with Marissa to like take your energy and like bundle it up and like, have maybe have it as like your alarm clock in the morning to like start your day with that <laughs> energy. Fuck up. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that little DJ. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like what Marissa was saying, like we always like our audience to, to leave with practical takeaways. And like, if you were to say, like, if you have someone who's like, they've committed, right. And maybe they've, they've started with like, they figured their cell themselves and they're, they're like, all right, I'm ready to change. Like, what would you give that person like your advice or like some tactical takeaways that they could use to start on their journey right now? So I think a lot of it is mental. And I think that's why it's hard to be like, well, tactically, you know what you need to do. Most people know what they need to do. Most people do. Right. And so it's like, if you commit, commit, if you're interested, be interested right? But you have to decide those things. And so it's like, if you're just starting and you really want to change, you first need to have that self-awareness to go, what do I need to change? What about me needs to change? What habits do I have? What rituals do I have around things? Right. And I think it's, it's sitting down and going, okay, this is what's not serving me. And also understand it's going to be fucking hard it's going to be so hard. There are going to be so many days where you want to quit, where you want to throw in the towel. Like there were so many sleepless nights, so many nights that I would literally, I've slept in my car, like and cried. It's like, there's so much sacrifice that people don't understand is required for growth. So you might have to make sacrifices that feel massive to you, but the return on that sacrifice is greater than you can even imagine. If you would just give yourself permission to go through the storm, if you would say I'm committed and I want to change if you mean that with every ounce of your being, then you have to show up for it. If that means getting up at 5 a.m., you better set your alarm and get up at 5. If that means staying up until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night to do the work, stay up and get the work done, right? If, if that's what you really want, and if you're, if you're talking about fat loss or anything like that, right? It's like, what are the expectations? Talk to your coach. What do they want you to do? and say, okay, I am clear, I'm going to do that and do the thing. Because I think the hardest part about coaching in general is most oftentimes we want it more than the client wants it for themselves. And that's where it's heartbreaking. And that's where it's sad. And that's where it's hard. Because it's like, I wish I could be there and totally fucking make you do it, but I can't. So it's like on some level, regardless of, if I could build you a perfect program and a perfect nutrition thing and a perfect training program, if there was even such a thing, it wouldn't matter if you didn't do it. So it's like, where do you need to start? Give yourself permission to learn. Understand that you need to make an effort, but until you know better, you can't do better. And once you know better, you need to hold yourself accountable to doing that, right? Reflect on your progress. It's not about everything all at once. It's like, did I make a better decision today? Yes. Is my energy better today? Yes. Did I add five pounds to my deadlift? Yes. Did I do these things? Yes. Am I getting better sleep? Yes. Is my caffeine intake down? Is my energy up? Is my clothes fitting better? Is my energy more radiant? Or am I getting feedback from the people I'm around? Like, wow, what did you do? What's different about you? Right. And, and the way that you show up in your life is going to continue to increase as far as the relationships that you have, the communication that you have, the energy that you have, the confidence that you have, right? All of that comes from simply taking the step, one step at a time to lay a brick and make sure that you've laid it perfectly so that you can build on top of a foundation because you cannot grow if your shit's cracked. And that's where people get into trouble trying to rush the process, trying to do it perfectly, trying to be from A to B, and sometimes trying to get from point A to point B and only focusing on B, you miss the point, which is the journey in the middle. It's who you become as you go through the process. And I think that if you can reflect on who you're becoming on a daily basis, which is why I love journaling, or at least acknowledging your wins, it's a lot more motivating because you're seeing things in real time change, even if it feels like you are stuck or going backwards because the scale didn't move this week. Yeah. 
I just want to pull back to one thing you said. You've had a lot of mic drop moments in this podcast, so I don't feel bad ruining this one um, <laughs> and adding on, but um, something to just uh, bring the listener into just what a realistic sacrifice might look like for them. You know, you talked a lot about sacrifice and the sacrifices you've made. Um, I would say, you know, probably are more extreme, right? You went through a lot and you put yourself through a lot to make bigger sacrifices, to make huge progress, which is amazing. Um, but sacrifice that feels huge to someone as you defined, right? Sometimes you have to do that to grow. Sacrifice that feels huge to someone might be ordering a chicken breast at dinner instead of whatever it is they want, right? Yeah. It might be um, putting their phone down early before they go to bed so they can get a better night's rest, right? That sacrifice might feel huge. The perceived effort on that might feel like terrible. Like, oh, like I don't want to be doing this. And like, I don't know what's on the other side, but it better be good because like, this is awful. Right. And I just want to encourage the listener in saying like the sacrifice you make doesn't necessarily need to start off by being, you know, sleeping in your car or at Dave and Buster's and crying, you know, at night, right? Like that, that is something that maybe, maybe one day you work up to, who knows, but like do what feels hard and difficult and challenging to you. It might feel huge. It might feel like this little thing. You might beat yourself up for like such a small thing, feeling like a sacrifice, but no, that's valid. That is your perception of a huge sacrifice. And you need to honor that and recognize that that sacrifice that feels huge, whether it's the chicken breast or not getting a beer or whatever it is, is making you more resilient. So the next time you make a sacrifice, that's going to feel less difficult and you're going to have to make a bigger one. And your the sacrifices will get quote unquote bigger in like relativity, but they're always going to feel difficult. So like, don't minimize yourself and the sacrifices that you might have to make to move forward today, because you're always going to be able to build on it. And I would say, I would challenge a little just to say that sacrifice has such a negative connotation, but you could also replace that with opportunity. Yeah. This is an opportunity for me to grow right now. Yeah. How exciting is that? This is an opportunity for me to see how I feel without pounding alcohol every weekend. How exciting is that? This is an opportunity for me to see if I'm even strong because I haven't picked up a weight and I don't know how long. How exciting is that? And so it's like, I know that sometimes we think of discipline and sacrifice and, you know, boundaries and like all these things is like negative, 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 but it's all about how you see it. So if you can replace that one word with a positive one, it's like, no, this is an opportunity for me, right? This is exciting, right? Especially when clients go on vacation, they're like, I bet you have this all the time. I can't track. I don't know. I'm not preparing the food, right? Once they get into tracking, they're like, then they have an occasion or something that they're going to. And they're like, I didn't prepare the food. What do I do? I'm like, this is so exciting. This is fucking awesome. You get to practice. I hope you've been looking at your plates. This is a, this is a challenge for you. Let's see how much you've learned. Let's go for it, right? And if you get them out of scarcity to excitement, well, they tend to handle it significantly better. Most of my clients come back there and haven't even gained any weight. I'm like, you fucking crushed it because you had to trust yourself. But you also had to believe that you had acquired the knowledge and the skill set to be able to go through that and win on the other side. So if you didn't believe it and you went into the vacation going, oh my God, I'm going to fuck this up. You're likely going to fuck it up. Right. And so again, it's like one of those things where you're going to feel so much resistance and it's going to feel scary. It's like, oh, this is a new little thing. It's like, but if you can look at it as like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to find out and just grow through it. Like you can make it as great or as, as stressful as you want it to be because it's all in your head. It's like, when you remove that, it's like, I can make this great. I can fucking make cardio great if I want to. Like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Even if I really don't want to do it, but it's all about the way that you think and you have to be able to control that in order to get to where you want to go. Because right now there are so many external things that control the way that people think. So it's like, until you can grasp what's going on in your head, you're not, you're going to continue to stay in these things. What a good reframe. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is a, a good transition after coming off of like the all or nothing or anything, but one of the things that we tend to ask all of our guests is like, if you could pick the number one tip for sustainability, whether it's, you know, health and nutrition or fitness, or maybe just mindset through life, like what would you give our listeners? So every single client of mine, when they're onboarded, they have to actually fill out an expectations questionnaire. 
And this allows me to coach them effectively, meet them where they're at, but also understand the psychology in which they're entering my program. And so with that, I think one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself is what are you and aren't you willing to sacrifice truly, right? If you could get to the goal, if you could climb to the top of the mountain, what would you be willing to compromise and sacrifice to get there? And what wouldn't you, what are your non-negotiables like hard pass, not doing that. And I think that once you understand your boundaries, you can also see where there's a ton of flexibility. And that's cool because now it's like, okay, I'm actually not super tied to that. I'm okay with making that sacrifice. I'm okay with doing these things, right? And looking at this as an opportunity for me to develop, but this is something I'm not willing to do. And I think that once you can pinpoint things that you're not willing to compromise in your life, it's a lot easier for you to go, okay, I'm flexible in all of these different areas, if nothing else for at least right now. Because I also think it's really important to consider, I know a lot of people be like, well, if you had to do two hours of cardio to get lean, then you're going to have to stay with two hours of cardio. And that's actually not true. Um, I think if you've ever dieted and been able to kind of reset your, your set point, right, you realize that you can control it so long as you're responsible. And so it's like, you might have to be, and I say that because someone who has a lot of body fat to lose might have to sacrifice a little bit more to get it off. But once you get there, if you have the knowledge too to actually sustain it, it doesn't necessarily require as much work. And so it's just about understanding where you are, who you are right now, who you want to become, what you are and aren't willing to sacrifice to get there. And then you can design the roadmap of sustainability of like, okay, I'm willing to work through these compromises right now. And then be able to say, hey, I held on to this thing that I wasn't willing to sacrifice the whole time. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I feel like this is one where we're gonna have to go back and re-listen and take out all these little nuggets and all the little mic drops that we had. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. Marissa, do you have any other questions? No, um, this is great. Um, I knew that this would be a really, um, really insightful episode. Um, it, it's given me things to even think about for myself, um, where I am, where I want to be. What I think is great about a lot of what you've said, Kate, is it applies to anyone in any phase of their journey. So this could be for somebody just starting out in their fitness journey or for me, who is like trying to grapple with some identity things and shifts with business and with personal life and all of that. So um, really, really good stuff. I think anybody who listens to this will be able to apply it. And I'm, I'm just excited you're here. I'm excited that you had me and I'm, I'm glad that you found it valuable. So that was my one goal. I was like, I hope that there's something that you can take away from it. And I hope anybody that's listening has found something that they can take away from this. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely hundred percent sure that someone can find some sort of nugget for, for them, but um, guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and you, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram and Kate, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Kate and Michelle, K-A-I-T. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. Same thing. I don't, I do have a podcast. It's called the fit shit podcast. I do cuss as you guys have learned today. So I apologize if that's offensive. I mean it in the best way. And, uh, that's, that's where you can hang out with me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we'll have those listed below in the show notes and you can find me at Christy Lynn Fit. Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. And thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.